0: The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. Our new series is called the Hebrew Covenant Marriage. This is a power pack message that unfolds the original Hebrew design of God's view of marriage. And we are going to be making use of the original Hebrew language, and we are going to take a step-by-step snapshot of courtship, engagement, and marriage. This series offers practical and proven suggestions to those broken marriages as well as expand on those healthy marriages. We hope that you enjoy this series. Everything on earth becomes a symbol of heaven. And marriage literally exemplifies the structure of the Trinity. So, let's say that I am interested in a, a young lady and I'm at the local Hebrew mall. And, you know, and I see this, this gal and, and I'm like, I got to have some of that. It can be as lustful as can be. Or it can be as honorable as can be. It didn't make any difference. If you didn't walk through these guidelines I'm going to give you right now, you're basically going to be stoned to death. And that's the part people just start wigging out going, why was God so harsh when it comes to if some guy got a little handsy with a with a daughter of a father? And what, what, what what's up with... God is just so harsh. Just stone him. Kill him. There's a reason. See, God is immovable in his doctrines because he will not swap his character for yours. He won't do it. He won't adjust his doctrines because of your pain. He won't swap things around because you are a modern Christian who's adopted... Religious values that have moved their way in from 320 other religions in the world. The Christian church as a whole is not clean, folks. We are not clean. We carry pop psychology philosophies in our, in our, in our churches and, and doctrines that come from other religions that you think have always been a part of Christianity, and they're not. We must do what Jesus said. In the beginning, it was not this way. See, when the Sadducees and the Pharisees were tempting Jesus in Matthew 19, about this divorce thing, did Moses not grant us certificates to divorce our wives? In other words, basically looking at Jesus saying, you don't have a clue what you're talking about. And Jesus didn't fall into this little deception he just said, in the beginning it was not this way. For God made you male and female. And what God has joined together, let no man's law separate. You know, he just told the Pharisees and Sadducees, they're idiots. Can you imagine telling the most educated person in the world, do you not know that God created you male? Duh. And female? Uh, duh. But see, the part they didn't want to agree with is what God has joined together, let no man's law separate it. But they went, but Moses granted us certificates to divorce our wives. I'm not sure they're British, but... I just slip into that British thing. Well, you know what? The guy comes home. The young man comes home from the Hebrew Mall, and he says to his dad, "Oh, dad, I saw this girl at the mall, and I just, I, I just, I just gotta have her. She's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I just, I just gotta have her." And dad goes, "Well, who is she? Well, her name is, you know, something that sounds like you're spitting. I'm sure." But, and so dad goes, "Okay, all right, all right, I'll, I'll go." I'll go talk to her dad. His dad goes and talks to her dad and says, you know, my my son's kind of interested in your daughter. And, uh, and he says, well, get in line. Oftentimes what's the case? Get in line. That's what I say to some of the guys, particularly with Jessica. You think I'm going to let my youngest go so soon now? Uh-uh. Get in line. So... They have this little talk. The father of the bride, potential bride, interviews the father of the groom. And they talk and they wheel and deal and they talk and they talk and they talk. And Those fathers know each other's historical sin of the forefather backgrounds like no other. Because you don't marry a boy and you don't marry a a girl, You marry a heritage, a legacy. And these Hebrew fathers not just knew this, they lived this way. Then they had to talk about some bucks. Dowry. On and on and on and on. After they talked about all those little pockets, they kind of got to the point of, okay, well, all right, tell your son that uh, he can go ahead and start the court courtship process courtship comes from the tabernacle you have the gate area you have the courtyard you have the inner room and you have the innermost room the innermost room is where who hangs out the father old testament is the ark of the covenant the inner room who hung out there The high priest. New Testament's Jesus. The courtyard is is where the priest hung out. The elders of the land. Now when you decided to court Susie Q, you had to take her into the courtyard. That's where we got the term courtship. You had to respectfully handle this young lady in the presence of the elders. Later, they actually built towns around what they called town squares. And they had a courtyard in the center of the town. They kind of modernized the concept of the tabernacle. So when you would date or court a young girl, you had to sit on the park bench in the middle of the square so all the merchants can watch you. But if anyone turned you in and said you were inappropriate, it was time to go to the gate and deal with the elders of the land. Which typically was not pleasant. And the father of the possible bride got a little fired up. And he could require anything he wanted. Anything. Even the loss of that father's firstborn son. So there was a lot of accountability stuck in place for proper reasons. Well, the courtship goes really well. They're getting along fairly well. He's being honorable and she's responding, you know, as a woman and blah, 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 blah. And he realizes this is my wife. So he goes back to his dad and he goes, Dad, see, the fathers already know. They already know if this is the deal or not. But the, the couple had to discover this. So, he goes back to his dad and goes, Dad, this 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 is this is her. Okay. I'll go talk to her dad. So he goes and he talks to her dad. And he says, He's my son's convinced that your daughter is to be his wife. And it's probably a duh for the fathers. They've already worked the deal out. So the father of the bride says, Okay. Tell him he may ask her for engagement. Well, how many of you know that even all the way through the fourth century, engagement meant you were married? So, several of you. The reason why Joseph said he had to put Mary away because she got pregnant during the engagement, because a woman had to wait one year to see if she could maintain her purity, make sure she wasn't pregnant. That's why there was a year waiting. Joseph, Joseph had to wait this year, and guess what? She turned up pregnant. was a little bit more of a controversy than, than we talk about today. It's a big, big deal. No wonder angels had to show up personally and do double confirmations. So, engagement for Joseph was, it, in order to break the engagement, you have to put her away which means divorce her. So it was a very significant thing to do. So when this young man is going to the, the, the young lady and says, You will be my bride. Not will you marry me. You will be my bride. That rubs in the face as almost every Western Christian That walks this side of the earth. I mean, ladies, can you imagine some guy coming to you and saying, "You, You will be my bride? See, here's the illustration. It's Christ coming up to Steve Finney. Christ chose me. I didn't choose him. There is no choosing on my part. I respond. Christ, the scripture says, Christ chose me. And it's Christ coming up to me and saying, Stephen, I've selected you as my bridal member. Uh, uh, And I will go to my knees in humility, and I will weep, and I will repent. Because He touched me, I fall into confession. Do you understand that? There is a difference. One form of salvation is done through independence. Door knocking. The other is a response as a woman, as a bridal member. He 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 uh, touched me, and so once he touches me, is when I collapse into this repentance because of his power and his presence. That's all from the Hebrew. Jesus literally functions from the original design of marriage. He hasn't changed. So my view of salvation is different than some. I'm still conservative and once saved, always saved, blah, blah, blah. I still hang on to all those those traditional biblical values. But you know what? I believe he is the one as the groom, from what I've learned from the Hebrew law, touches me. He touched me. Oh, he, you know. He did the touching. I do the responding. In marriage and sexual foreplay, when a man touches a woman, she should almost collapse. When he she's touch, touching me. It's how a woman's body is designed. But if there's all these issues because he's so selfish with touch it's, oh my gosh, he's going to touch me. <laughs> How do I do this? Headache? Do I use headache tonight? Do I, do I say, you know, my body hurts? I'm getting the flu? What do I do? Do I start an argument? That'll do it. You see? All this manipulation kicks in. But I can tell you guys the way it's, we're designed. Our touch is so powerful as men. And our women's bodies, this is proven physiologically, science, they respond to touch differently than we do. Even their nerve responses are different than us. Men have a thing about skin because of this, they're different. And Satan has developed this addiction with men because of it. All because of the Hebrew design. Well, the guy is engaged with Gal. They go through their one year. Have a great one year. During that one year, guess what happens? Hopefully, she doesn't get pregnant. Through that one year, the couple gets to know the parents. They can't be around each other. Do you understand that? Christ left us. We are his bride. He got engaged to us when we got born again. That's your engagement. The wedding feast is to come. Consummation is to come. So here we are in this engagement phase and Christ has gone to prepare a place for us. So here's how it works. The man is supposed to use that one year to prepare a place for his bride. So she doesn't see him. Well, see, that's where all the trouble takes place is during the engagement. Well, we're going to get married anyway, so, you know, I'll meet you at my place. You do your own survey. You can do it in this room. Here's how it's going to turn out. Nine out of ten marital hands will go up if I say, did you do heavy petting before you got married? Nine out of ten hands will say, I did heavy petting, which means taking your hand and touching a private part. You can get fairly close to those statistics with sex before marriage nowadays. Honor's gone. It's just gone. A man not refusing to touch a woman for any other reason besides sharing intimacy is gone. But see that is how most guys function. Pencil me in. Got to have sex. I have never seen a guy explode yet. Have you? I mean, where he just... I mean, the guy talks like, I've got this buildup and i got... You know, I'm going to explode. if I I've never... At 30 years of doing this, I've never met a guy just like explode on the... You know, just... <laughs> have you, Alan? Yeah. But, we do need to talk about that later on. It'll be... Before the conference is over. In case you guys need to head home quickly. So that's why we stick it at the end of the (laughs) conference. But uh, we're going to have a real fun talk about sex later. Okay. Now, here's a couple key things that we need to keep in mind. After this guy goes and he picks up. The engagement's over, and and he's prepared his place, and he goes to his dad and says, Dad, I'm done. And dad goes, really? Let me check it out. So he, it's actually an add-on to his dad's house. He doesn't build his own house until after the first year. But this add-on to his dad's house, he goes in there, and he kind of checks his son's work and goes, you know, women really like to have a little bit more foo-foo, so We've got we to gotta make some changes here, son. So talk to your mom. Get her in here and do some decorating. Yeah, I know you got the bed. And you got a floor and you got some walls and a roof. But, you know, the ladies like a little more. So when you bring her in here, you don't want her going, Oh, a bed. Because, you know, really that's all he's interested in at that point. So dad and mom work with him a little bit more. So finally, believe me, the room that Christ is preparing for us is breathtaking. Unbelievably beautiful. That's why I believe if you're going to spend money, do it in the master bedroom. Make it the most beautiful room in the house. It's the holy of holies for the house. Then he goes and he picks her up. The very hour he's done, putting the flowers in the vase. American, that's based. (laughs) He goes to his dad. Three in the morning, he goes, Dad, I'm done. Well, let me see. So dad goes in there and he goes, nice touch, the flowers. Okay, got a rug now. This is good. I think you're ready. Go get her. But it, it's go getter. Three in the morning, man. He gets on his old donkey and he's going over, you know, to her house and you know, and he knocks on the door. Father's coming behind him. And he gets over to the house and he's knocking on the door. Head of the house, of course, opens the door. That was for protective reasons. We don't do that anymore. Honey, can you get that? But, you know, Dad came in door and he opens the door and he goes, yes. If they had cell phones, one father would have notified the other father. He's on his way. He's pretty excited. I'll be there probably ten minutes later, but he'll be there probably now. Okay. So he's standing there and he goes, yes. Um, I, I, I've come here to get my bride. Really? Yeah, yeah, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm finished with my room. He looks right over the shoulder of that son and looks into the father's eye. And the father of the son goes, says, okay, go get her. And he comes in, knocks on her door, says, honey, I'm home. She's like, ah. She jumps up and she grabs her dress and... There's oil in the lamp, so she turns on her lamp, and she gets all ready, and he has to stand there and wait. And when she opens the door, she can't even put her foot over that threshold. He has to step into her and pick her up, carry her across the threshold, which is where we got that, take her out. He has to keep carrying her. So hopefully he's doing a little lifting weights and getting in shape during that one year. And takes her back. To his house. Although there is a little bit of controversy here. Some theologians believe the party took place out in front of the dad's house. Of the bride. But many believe they went back to the father's house. Had this little wedding service. He takes her. Carries her again. Into this room. They consummate the marriage. He comes out with the sheet with the blood on it. And. It's done. Everyone has a seven-day party. Seven days of party. And bride and groom come out whenever they want. You know, Go back in there. Come back out. It's just to say, we're here for you. Have fun. Enjoy your new marriage. So that's how it was done. Be fun to do it that way again. Because we'd have a lot more virgins in the world. Male and female. So, now let's talk about this whole thing about how the enemy got in your and destroyed through a, a word called divorce. It comes from two words, division by force. It's like ripping fabric once you've cleaved to it. The Hebrew word picture for cleave means tapestry, woven, creating a picture from multiple fibers. It's very ugly on one side, very beautiful on the other. Pretty much like my marriage. A lot of hell. I like to use the term hell because God said what they meant for evil, God meant for good. Whatever hellish things you've had in your marriage, God is creating a very beautiful picture. Let's take a look at it. Marriage was instituted in the garden when man was in innocence. So we're going to get more into this statement later in, in more of a diagrammical fashion, but... That's the basics. As you know, before the fall, we were perfect. He put the marriage institution together perfectly from the beginning. So now, it is evident in monogamy, one spouse until death was the original law of marriage. And this law was violated very early on when man's problems with lust began to overflow into God's ordained marriage. To keep it real simple... Why in the world would a man look for another woman besides lust? I mean, why? Because I have a dripping rain wife? That's your fault. Oh, yeah, you know, Proverbs says about a contentious woman, which is the term that the Pharisees use. it's your problem. I'd be contentious living with you, too. Because <laughs> every time you use the law on me, I feel agitated. It's no wonder their wives are always mad at them. They didn't know, understand what grace is because grace hadn't come yet. you understand that? So to hear Christ talking about grace and love and peace and, and how to handle relationships so differently, they're like, what is this man talking about? If you don't like him, get rid of him. And sometimes they would do that even physically. They still do that in the Middle East. If they don't like you as a woman, you're in trouble, they're going to strap a bomb to you. They do this. I'm not joking. We call them radical. That's been around for a very, very long time because they will not use divorce. In other words, death is an option, (laughs) but not divorce. A little bit of hypocrisy there. There is no reason to leave a woman. Zilch. Seventy times seven, she could have affairs on you a day. Now, here's the other crazy thing. Until 1944, women couldn't even divorce men. Do you understand that? We have gone hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. And a woman couldn't divorce a man up to the Industrial Revolution, it had to be a decision of the male. She had no choice. You think you feel bound now, ladies? You didn't have the choice. That was an American revolutionary idea that is now in most countries. But that wasn't even an option. Because that's how long we stuck to structural authority of the home. That's why I personally believe, as a self-made historian, that the Industrial Revolution messed up this country more than any other movement in the history of the world. Changed everything. Any good historian will agree with that. You've been listening to A Counselor's Point of View. Our topic has been the Hebrew Covenant Marriage. If you're interested in listening to the full message, please log on to our website and click on our resource button, and it will take you over to our bookstore and scroll down until you come to the CD package called Marriage Covenant Conference. Thank you for listening to our show today, and feel free, by the way, to forward this message on to your friends and your family members. Until next time. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.